Hello, elder. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God bless Calvary family. Hope everyone is doing well tonight. Uh, let's stand and as we usher in this, uh, the Holy Spirit tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, I thank you, Father God, for this day, Lord. Thank you, Father God, for all you've done, and thank you for this day, and just to have the honor to be here and, and pray, Father God. We thank you, Father God, for, for, for the service today, Father God, and those that are here that took their time to be here, Father God, we thank you for them, and we pray a blessing upon them, Father God. Father God, and those that couldn't be here, Father God, that wanted to be here, Father God, we, could, we pray that you continue to bless and keep them, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Father God. Father God, I pray for the church, Father God, Calvary, Father God, and everyone here that made this day possible, Father God. We pray for the Pontes, Father God, that are here to facilitate uh, all the, and everything they do here, Father God. We pray and we thank you for them, Father God, in the name of Jesus. We thank you. For Elder Isabel and Elder Ross, Father God, thank you for them also. And every ministry, Father God, that puts this special and precious day together, Father God. We thank you for the word that is being brought forth today, Father God. May it be edifying to your people, Father God, and glorifying to you, Lord. And we thank you, for, Lord. We pray, Father God, and we thank you for this lovely, glorious day, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, church. I said, praise the Lord, church. I said, praise the Lord, church. Hallelujah. What an amazing blessing. What an amazing opportunity to be in the house of the Lord one more time. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Please, please, please don't take church for granted. Whatever you do as the body of Christ, we have to enjoy ourselves enjoy the presence of god whenever the doors are open we got to be there whenever the zoom call is in you got to be there whenever the the website uh, link is open you got to be there hallelujah even if on even on your couch eating popcorn worship the lord glory to god let's take a moment and just give god glory in this place let's just take a solid moment and give jesus the praise in this place Jesus, you are worthy. Jesus, you are worthy. Jesus, you are worthy, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We invite you, Holy Spirit, into this place. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. This is amazing grace. This 
Jesus. 
Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. There is no one like you. There is no one like you. There is no one like the Lord. Who is like the Lord? There is no one. Glory to God. Yeah. 
about the kingdom no I'm sorry it speaks about the king the kingdom and the royal family the king the kingdom and the royal family you are the royal family just in case you didn't know that I wanted to tell you who you are you are part of the king and the kingdom is coming to earth God doesn't want the, uh, uh, him to hang out here he created earth for us when he created earth he sent his his governor to rule in to teach us to mold us to show us how to behave and how to create the kingdom on earth we know him as the holy spirit the one that leads us to all through truth i'm gonna trade the cafe but i love you Hey, I'm only kidding. We're going to sit I'm excited today. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I got home about 1 o'clock in the morning. Traffic was horrendous. To leave the house at 5 in the morning. Yeah, it, I'm tired. You know, then, then traffic coming in here, coming home was horrendous. But my God is good. could have been stuck out there still. I could have got hit by another car. 
I could have got on so many things, but I'm here in the house of the Lord, praising the name of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. What else can be more precious than that? That we come to the King that knows your name. Tony, he takes time to call you. And we, and we say that so, so easily without totally understanding the awesome of that. The creator of everything, the universe, the world, everything, takes time and calls you by name. My God. My God. So if the enemy ever tells you you're not worth it, you're not good enough, this mistake he ain't going to overlook, don't waste your time, just remind him, he knows my name. I am a child of the awesome I am. See, you got to learn to do like David did. What did David do? He motivated himself. He excited himself. He stirred the gift within him to overcome anything that's coming. I've been studying in those last three months on renewing the mind, the thought process, and uh, how the enemy has uh, fooled us and conned us and tricked us into thinking thoughts that we think is us. Because the pattern that we've been going through, oh, it's got to be true. She's saying it, now he's saying it, now I'm thinking that. So it comes to a point, Tony, that no longer he bothers you with it, you run with the thought all along like it's yours. So now here you are, he's chilling out in the corner, not even worrying about you going for the next victim, and we're beating ourselves up. Oh, he's not going to forgive this one. Oh, here I go. I must be dumb. I must be demon-possessed. I must be a mess. It's got to be true. Look, everything's going, but the devil is a liar. He's a defeated foe. This is going to be the most, the most weirdest offering that I'm going to ask because I really want to stir you up. See, I'm not interested in your money. The awesome I am is not interested in your money. The book of Monica 3.10 is not about money. It's about obedience. It's about trusting you know, we go to work and we work hard 40 hours and some even longer to get a paycheck for him to say, give me a portion of it. What? I got to trust him to give him some. Because I work hard for this. I labor hard. I got bills. I got plans. I got, you know, I got a vision that I want to accomplish. And you're telling me to give you a portion? I got to believe that what he's going to give me is going to outweigh what I can give him. That's why in this season... We have to lean on Proverbs, what is it, Proverbs 3, 5? <sighs> Trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding and I all acknowledge him. It's not business as usual, Calvary. Body of Christ, it's not business as usual. Tony, I can't come Sunday mornings, get a fix, and then try to survive the rest of the week. In this season... You're going to get snuffed. You're not going to make it on trying to get good feelings. Say it again. You have to know who you are in Christ. Amen. One of the greatest things about renewing your mind is not willpower. It's not, I could do this, the devil's a lie, I could do this. None of that. None of that matters. But if that's where you're starting, excellent. But that's not what's going to make you go over the hump. What's going to make you go over the hump is the word of God. The more you understand who you are in God, the more powerful you become. Doesn't he tell us our weapons are not carnal, but mighty for bringing down? 
strongholds, arguments. You know, I was reading that last night, and, and uh, me and my wife were talking about the situation happening, happen, and, and, and the argument that was there, and I was meditating, and, and my emotion was like, whoa, you know, and I'm reading it, arguments. And I said, wait up, wait up. We look at so much spiritual stuff, but it's basic. Let's be simple. God has had to bring it down somewhere. He's dealing with us. Yeah. Don't even argue with your brothers. It ain't worth it. If I can get you focused to argue with me, then you're not focusing on your father. He's a shrewd sucker, but he's the defeated one too. He's defeated. He don't want to go down alone, but I got I got I got to serve notice to him. <laughs> Ready? Calvary knows your tricks. We know you. You've been you've been served. You're not welcome here no longer. You're looking at victorious ones. You're looking at children of the Most High. Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> I, I gotta celebrate by myself. No, yeah. <laughs> you know, I used to get dressed up, hooked up for Friday night hangout. Now I get dressed up, hooked up to hanging out with my father. Oh man, this is the joy of the Lord. What happens? The joy of the Lord is my strength. So the more excited I get about his good news, the stronger I become. How can I get strong if I'm not in the word? How could I trust and give my tithes if I don't trust him? Because I don't know him. I know about him. And then I can ask anybody who I will call right now and they will tell me how good the Lord is. But who is he to you? Get the songs out of the way. Get the humanity the of the words that we always speak with each other. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. That's cool. We look good in front of each other, but when you go home, I ain't going to help you. If you don't know the word of God, if you don't know the word of God, you're already defeated. What did Jesus Christ fight Satan with after being fasted 40 days, 40 nights, and he went to get tempted? What did he use? The word. If the awesome I am comes down and says, yes, but the word says, who are we? Uh, let me tell you, we're his royal children. I told you th three things, kings, kingdom, and royal family. We are the royal family of the awesome I am. Soon as, the, sooner, the, sooner, the sooner we wake up, victory is there. I don't have to fight for victory. The moment I wake up, the moment the prodigal son woke up in the swine, and he said, wait a minute, what am I doing? He became a child of them all. I, I am all over again. He ran to his father. See how the enemies goes? He prayed with his mind. He said, man, if I go to my father, I'll ask him, maybe he'll let me be a servant. And when his father saw him, what did he do? He threw his coat on him, took his ring, put it on him, put a celebration upon him. You don't understand. He was dead, but now he's alive. Praise God. Do you know when you break free, there's a celebration in heaven? Father, another one is coming home. Father, look, the daughter. Father, look, the son. And the angels are around celebrating, joyfully jumping with excitement. And the excited he gets, the, the stronger we get. The more the Lord gets joy, the more strength we receive. So, 
That's why I'm always so hyped. That's why I'm so excited. Because I know with all my oops, he still loves me. You know, I, I heard a joke from Miles Moreau the other day about when the Lord told him to produce Adam and Eve, produce more children. And he says, and all of you guys have been very busy, been blessing the Lord. Some of you have been doing it illegally, you know, in the backseat of the car and this and that. And some of you are oops, but another use are mistakes. Oh man, I wasn't planning to get pregnant now, but it's a blessing from the Lord. Some of us were oops, but we're never a mistake. See, and that oops plays in our mind, and then the enemy says, I told you you were never one gonna be. I never wanted, they never wanted you. You're a mistake. Just kill yourself. Just kill yourself. I don't know about you, but those thoughts ran in my mind when I was a young kid. I almost threw myself off a roof. Look at all I would have missed if I would have. Got to start from the beginning. The beautiful wife. We get the kids before we get the grandkids. <laughs> you passed, you know, the whole. <laughs> you went from A to Z. <laughs> Let me enjoy that journey, bro. <laughs> Okay, let's get to the ties in order. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm a guy who likes to excite the brethren. We get beat up enough in the world. And 98% of that beating up, we're doing it to ourselves. So if we can learn to celebrate in his presence. Get joyful in his presence. You know, this is the season we have to take what we sing and put action to it. Yeah, right. That's right. Yes. Glory to God. Yes. Again, he's not interested in you. If you're not just giving me a dime, why you put me afraid of you ain't giving me anything. If you're not donating any money to the church, that's okay. We're not depending on you. Right. Pastor's not listening, right? We're not depending on you. <laughs> we're depending on the Lord. Tony, what's that verse that says that he's has the, the wicked store of their riches for the righteous? You got it. That's the one. Thank you for giving it to me. <laughs> See, so if you don't want to give, God already has a group that don't even believe in him setting up money for that thing is for them because uh, I got plans for that. See, so he don't need nothing. He, he, you know, what did pastor say the other day? You know, if he says a dog with two heads and, and 12 tails, it, it's done because he's not a liar. He is not man that lies. He, what his word speaks is. And what did he say? Awesome, fearfully made in the image of all man, of, of the uh, I am, excuse me. And then he added a little cherry on top, holy and righteous. We are powerful. We are awesome. We are wicked in the Lord. Do you waste time trying to knock somebody down that's a nobody? If you're focusing that much energy, there's something about that person. So if you're feeling like you're being hit too much, praise God. Count it all joy. 
because that means you're somebody awesome. You're somebody fearfully. You're somebody holy. You're somebody righteousness. And the Bible says we are the righteousness of Christ. So I'm challenging you guys that not to look at your bills, not to listen to the opinion of how to trust or the lives of the, of the world, but trust in the Lord in this season because this is the season of prosperity. This is your season of breakthrough. This is your seasons of signs and wonder. Now, I say that every year, this is the season of breakthrough. And I say, when you receive it, it's your breakthrough. Let it be this year that you receive it and break through as the usher directs.
Praise the Lord, church. Hallelujah. It feels so anticlimactic to come from that wonderful music that makes you want to bop up and down to this guy in a pistachio shirt saying, Praise the Lord, church. God bless everybody. I said, God bless everyone. Praise the Lord. Welcome to another Friday Night Live. Glory to God. Glory to God. I want to apologize because last week we kind of had this tropical storm coming up through the region and they were saying that we're going to have all these winds and these rains and I looked at my phone and I had like these lightning bolts coming out of a cloud on the weather app and I thought to myself, man, it would really suck to go to church and then be stuck there because there's like lightning bolts shooting out of the sky. Um, so we, we had canceled and uh, glory to God, we're all still alive. Hallelujah. There was uh, a lot of craziness. There were cars stuck. They had to send people to rescue people on the Major Deegan Expressway. Their, their cars were stuck in like a river of water. Crazy. This is the Bronx. Like, what the heck is going on? But glory to God. We're all okay. We're, we made it. So we had a Friday night off, and now we're back. Glory to God. Been enjoying the, uh, the services, uh, the, the, uh, the preachings, the sermons on Sundays. Nate and Mingo showing up. Elder Ross showing up and showing off. Man, you guys are just amazing. You guys are my heroes. I don't want to ever preach again. But glory to God. So we're going to continue on the book of Proverbs. Um, I was originally assigned to do chapters 10, 11, and 12. So 11 and 12 are going to kind of get condensed tonight. I think I can do it before 11. Um, glory to God. Are you guys ready? Yes. Praise God. I promise to try to keep it short. Not really. Hallelujah. I got my coffee. All right. If you would take out your Bibles. Oh, actually, I wanted to follow up with something that you said, Elder. Everybody turn to Revelation chapter 20. Right, so you said, you know, I, I got news for you, devil, right? It's interesting, and, and, you know, I was listening to a bunch of sermons this week. Um, came across Revelation 20. We had gone through it a couple of months back, but if you ever want to throw something in the devil's face, read this chapter. Uh, yeah, the whole chapter. It's not a long chapter. It's only 15 verses. But let's take a second. Check this out. Uh-oh, something went wrong. See what I get for not bringing a Bible? <coughs> enter. How many times do I have to hit enter? All right. Verse 1. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon. Who's the dragon? Satan, Satan himself. That serpent of old who is the devil and Satan and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more. Hallelujah. Till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. And I saw thrones and they that sat on them and judgment was committed to them. 
Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. I don't know about you, but that's me. Glory to God. Go skip to verse 7. Now then the thousand years have now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. They went up to the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever. If you ever get weary, if you ever get worn out, if you ever feel downtrodden, right? That's old school for beat down, right? Downtrodden means beat down. If you ever feel like, you know, you just kind of, I don't know if I can make it. Read this chapter. Why? Because we win. We win. Not because we're special, but because we belong to Jesus. Hallelujah. All right. So, downtrodden, read that out loud. Read it out loud. Glory to God. And shove it in his face. That sucker. <laughs> now, that's a theological term in case you didn't know. One of the names of Satan is Sucker. Um, let's take a moment and pray. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity to look at your word, to study it. To Thank you, Lord God, that it is a living word, that when we read it, it brings new life into us. We thank you, Lord God, that you have given us the Holy Spirit so that not, we, not only we can receive it, but that we can understand it so that we can apply it appropriately, reasonably, logically. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would have your way in us tonight. Let your word have its way in us. Transform us tonight, Lord God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Last week we talked, two weeks ago, we talked about how the book of Proverbs was written by Solomon. Solomon wasn't particularly special. The only thing that made him special was that he was born into a royal family, right? He was King David's son. And the only thing that made him special was that the first thing that he did when he became king over Israel was he, he decided, I can't do this. I, and I think he was either in his early 20s or late teens when he was becoming a king. How old was he? Maybe 17. We got a Bible scholar in the back. Hallelujah. Right? In his late teens, he said, what 17-year-old thinks that they can rule a nation? And if they actually think they can rule a nation, they are just so incredibly deceived and deficient in their logic because it is just impossible even for a 40, 50, 60-year-old for somebody to do it on their own. This man had the wisdom to say, I can't do this without God. So God granted him a wish. He said, God, give me wisdom. That's the only thing that made him special. So God not only granted him wisdom, but he granted, granted him wish, riches, 
untold. He was the richest man that ever lived. When you go back and you read what they had done with the tem temple, his, when, he, when he had started designing his temple, there was so much involved, so much wealth, so much silver and gold and pearl. All these crazy things were put into the, the temple. People traveled from all over the world to visit this temple. It was so magnificent. There was nothing special about the guy. That wisdom is God's. The only thing that made Solomon wise was that God put that wisdom in him. But it's for a purpose. It's actually, it's for several purposes. First purpose was so that he could lead Israel. Another purpose, and a very important purpose, is so that we can gleam from the wisdom of God in his word. Right? We have it available to us today for the very purpose of living a righteous life in Christ. Amen? Can I get an amen? amen. Are you awake? Yes. Are you alive? I just said God is the God of the living. You better be alive tonight. Come on now. Proverbs chapter 11 and 12, as I was going through it, there's some amazing things in there, right? There's in, so it's designed, as I, as I said the last time, it's designed in the form of a Hebrew poetry. And basically what he's doing is he's writing down his observations of life, right? Human interactions, things that go on in society. And he's literally giving observations. He's literally listing all of the things that he sees. Um, the, as I'm looking at 11 and 12, I noticed a couple of things, right? There's a, there's a specific contrasting idea that I want to talk about. Um, if you would turn to Proverbs 11. If you would turn to Proverbs. I'm going to look at 11 and 12. I'm just going to pick out a few of the highlights that I thought were really cool, and then I'm going to move on to what I wanted to really talk about tonight, right? So he talks about how dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. What a heavy word to use, an abomination. So wait a second. If I'm working at the corner bodega and somebody gives me a dollar and his change is supposed to be 50 cents and I give him 40 because I want to keep a dime, right? It's only a dime, 10 cents. It's, you're cheating someone. Solomon describes it as an abomination. It's, it's not just a sin. It's a thing that God abhors, hates, with a deep, visceral hate, right? You know how you feel when, you, when people cut you off on the highway? <laughs> that, but to a righteous and eternally holy God. It seems like such a small thing, but God's not playing, right? Another really cool thing that I saw, a couple of really cool things, is advice to the women, right? There's actually some advice to some wives. Let me see if I could find one here. There was, I think there was two of them, right? And I'll be careful. I don't want to get beat up here. <laughs> what happened? I missed something. The chancleta, yeah. I'm going to catch a chancleta in the forehead. Right in church, God have mercy on me. You know what? 
That sounds scary. Maybe I won't talk about that verse. <laughs> kind of made me nervous. I did have dinner. Actually, while I look for this verse, I will mention that I had pizza that the bread, the crust was made of broccoli and cauliflower. It was so weird, but it was delicious. By the way, I've also lost 25 pounds. 25 pounds. I got uh, 230 more to go. I was just joking. <laughs> Check this out. Verse 16 of chapter 11. A gracious woman retains honor. A gracious woman retains honor. That wasn't the one that I was talking about, but I can't find it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Here's another one. As a ring of gold, as a ring of gold and a swine snout, this is verse, verse 22, so is a lovely woman who lacks discretion. Ladies, if you lack discretion, you're like a, a beautiful gold ring in the nose of a pig. Now, it sounds a little gross, but think about what a pig meant to the Jews in that day. It was a filthy animal. We live in a time when people keep pigs as, as, as pets in their homes. They allowed them for their intelligence and their cleanliness. But for the Jew in Israel, they were disgusting. They wouldn't touch them. They wouldn't eat them because they were considered ugh, like a, the lowest creature on the planet. Ladies, make sure we operate with discretion. Amen? All right. I can't find the one about the wife. I'm going to take it as a sign. <laughs> the Lord said, lead that alone. So we get advice about business. We get advice about family living, right? Wives and their husbands. Uh, we get all kinds of advice about living. In fact, as I was looking through it, I, I made a little connection that I thought was interesting. I thought to myself, man, this looks like something else that I've, that I've read or seen took me back to Matthew chapter 5. Anybody ever read Matthew chapter 5? Go to Matthew chapter 5. And it's interesting because Jesus had a list of attributes that he, that he talked about regarding the kingdom of heaven and how the disciples should behave in it. Right? The kind of, some ideas that we should apply to our lives. Right? He talked about verse 3. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. I believe chapter, uh, verse, uh, chapter 12 of Proverbs has one about being a peacemaker, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I realized, you know, if you've ever read those and you thought to yourself, those are really powerful. But they're big ideas wrapped up in small sentences. What does it look like? Okay, blessed are the meek, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But what does that look like? When you go and you start reading through the Proverbs, you start to see the pattern of Solomon explaining what that looks like in the Proverbs. It's, it's actually like a companion book 
It's sort of the, the reverse follow-up. Isn't that cool? When you read Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, I believe that some of what he was drawing on from in, this, in these verses are the Proverbs, the wisdom that we find in the Proverbs. Can I get an amen? So when you read chapter 5, think about the Proverbs. Go back to the Proverbs. Look at them. Uh, one of the other things that I noticed, and this is, this is kind of where I wanted to head in Proverbs, there were some contrasts. There were some very stark contrasting ideas in Proverbs 11 and 12. And as I was reading through them, I noticed there was this kind of repetition, this thing that Solomon kept saying. He uses certain words to describe a certain people, and he used another set of certain words to describe another certain set of people. Right? right. So he's, he's kind of categorizing, right? He's kind of, kind of splitting down the middle and saying, these people are on this side, and these people are on this side. Right? Anybody ever do that? I remember as a kid, uh, my brother and I used to get marbles. My mom used to buy marbles. They were cool, and they would always be red and yellow. And I would always take the red ones, and my brother would always take the yellow ones. Now, he didn't want the yellow ones, but he always wound up taking the yellow ones because I sucked as a brother. Uh, sorry, Vinny. In any case, you can find a very clear delineation. Right? He's making a point. You guys ready to see it? On one hand, why don't we use this room? Let's, let's take this room. Let's divide it right down the middle. And I'm not putting any of you in any of the categories, all right? I'm not even going to say which is which. I'm going to say in one side or on one category is the righteous, the upright, and the faithful. And then in the other category are the wicked and the unfaithful. Right? Check this out. So this would be the side with the righteous, the upright, and the faithful. And what I basically did was I plucked the words that he used in each verse, right? With the righteous, upright, and faithful, he says, he uses words like just, or people who are uh, driven by justice, right? right? Uh, delight, their delight is in the Lord. Humble leads to wisdom. Right? Upright equates to integrity. Right? And these are all words that are carefully lumped together. Right? Stay with me. I know you guys are looking at me like, what you doing, homeboy? Be patient. Righteous, in one of the verses he used, it led to being delivered or good or goodness. Righteousness, goodness, deliverance. Upright. Blessing, exalted, gracious, honor, right? I just read that one. The gracious woman uh, obtains honor. Seek God, find favor. When you seek God, you will find favor, right? These are ideas. These, this was 11. Chapter 12 has love's instruction, love's knowledge. Good man obtains favor truthfulness, longevity, or long life, counselor of peace, 
Those who are, I believe it says, those who are a council of peace shall be filled with joy, or the, shall, shall fill the city with joy. I think it had to do with the city that they lived in. The city gets filled with joy. Counselor of peace, joy. Way of righteousness leads to life. Right? And it's interesting. There are these, that's one side. That's, that's one side of the spectrum. On the opposite side, what he has separated it from is, what he used the contrast was dishonest abomination, right? That was the verse that we just read. Dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord. He wrote, pride leads to shame. Pride equates to shame. Unfaithful says that it leads to perversity and lust. Unfaithfulness leads to perversity and lust. Wicked receives wrath. Wicked and wrath. Seek evil, find trouble. Ungodly, sinner. Um, chapter 12, he uses the language like hates correction. And it literally says, he who hates correction is stupid. Right? That's the New King James Version. I think the King James Version said... Uh, it uses a fancier word that doesn't sound as fun. We'll keep stupid. <laughs> wicked intentions. Those who have wicked in intentions, God condemns. God condemns wicked intentions. You hear the language? Right? Wicked equates to deceitful, violent, cruel, and covetous. The wicked are deceitful, violent, cruel, and covetous. A lying tongue, it's the opposite of longevity. It's a short-lived life. Deceitful heart produces evil. Let's hear them in contrast with one another. Just delight, dishonest, abomination. Humble, wisdom on one side, pride and shame on the other. Righteous delivered and good on one side, wicked and wrath on the other. Upright, blessing, exalted on one side, seek evil, find trouble on the other. Gracious honor on one side, ungodly sinner on the other side. Seek God, find favor, or ungodly, um, uh, hates correction, is stupid. I don't believe that God used the word stupid, but it's something that humans equate to. Loves instruction, loves knowledge. Wicked intentions, God condemns. Good man obtains favor. Wicked, deceitful, violent, cruel, covetous. Truthfulness, longevity, lying tongue, short-lived. Counselor of peace equals joy. Deceitful heart produces evil. The way of righteousness leads to life. As I'm looking at this, I'm saying, man, that is pretty serious. Solomon uses this line, this language, to describe again the righteous, the upright, and the faithful, faithful as opposed to the wicked and the unfaithful. It's really stark, right? There's, there's, there's no way, two ways about it. Particularly if you're unrighteous, he doesn't leave you any wiggle room. What's really interesting is as, as I started to think about it, I thought to myself, 
usually I like to think about what's missing, right? What you're not seeing, what the implication is by the absence of something, right? As I'm looking at it, I realize, you know what's missing? There's no in-between. There's no middle ground. It's not like that Clint Eastwood movie, right? The good, the bad, and the ugly, right? There isn't a third category. It just isn't there. If it were, I believe that Solomon would put it there, right? So you have, in these chapters, you have the description of wicked and righteous. Nothing in between. And then you have advice for business, for family living, but the majority is the wicked and the righteous. I started thinking to myself, man, one major problem that we have in this world is the idea that a lot of people think that they're, they're pretty good. I do okay. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't really. I was talking to a gentleman today, this fantastic gentleman from up the block, my job. Young man, uh, Dominican guy. Uh, I'm not going to say his name. But um, we were talking today. We just happened to get on the train together. And some time ago, we had talked about him going to church. And he had talked about how he had gone. It was a Catholic church. And he said he just started crying. He's like, I don't even know what the heck happened to me. Right? And I said, I know what happened. He's like, how do you know? You weren't even there. Because the same thing happened to me. Right? When I got saved back in 1995, I was sitting in the back of this Pentecostal church. And there wasn't anything special going on, and I just started crying, right? And tears were just shooting out of my face, hitting people in the back of the head, three rows in front of me. No, I'm joking. But I knew exactly what he was talking about. I said, I know exactly what that is. I said, that's God touching your heart, saying, hey, you're mine. Come on, come to me. And he said, okay, all right. And so he started going to a church. He said he found a church. He found this young lady who was going to one. He started attending. He said it was great. And that's where we left off. So I'm today, and, and we started talking on the train. He wasn't going to church anymore. He goes, yeah, you know, I, you know, I, I pray at home. And, you know, I, I, you know, I, I kind of, you know, I talk to the Lord. And, I, you know, I, I don't really feel like I have to go to church, you know. I said, oh, okay, that's nice. That's nice. I said, what do you, do you think that's, that, do you think that's what God expects of you? Oh, yeah, he wants me to talk to him. I said, oh, I said, that's, that's awesome. I said, don't you want more? Don't you think that God wants more for you? Do you think that this is all that it is? I said that day that you, you were telling me that you started crying in church, and, uh, and uh, I told you that the Holy Spirit was touching your heart because God was drawing you to himself. Remember that feeling you had that day? Take a moment and think about it. He's like, yeah. I said, didn't you kind of expect more from that? Is, is, when you think about the idea of God, don't you think that he's so much more than that? More than a feeling? So I actually talked to him, and we're going to hook up and do a Bible study on Zoom. We're going to connect once a week. Turns out he was actually, uh, what do you call those kids that help the Catholic priest? Altar. He was an altar boy as a kid, and he actually said that uh, he started like a seminary for like a month, and then he moved to New York, and it all came to a screeching halt. 
really, really interesting. I look forward to what this guy's, what God is going to do. But so many people have the idea that, you know, I'm pretty good. I'm good enough, right? They think that somehow they can skate in that middle category. But here's the problem. The middle category does not exist. Solomon makes it clear that there is the righteous and the unrighteous. All throughout the Proverbs and all throughout the Old Testament and all the, throughout the New Testament, you find the description of the righteous and the description of the unrighteous. What the consequences of a living a righteous life are and what the con consequences of living an unrighteous life are. And it's exactly as Solomon describes it. Blessing, peace, knowledge, instruction, favor, honor, blessing, exalted, um, longevity, joy, life. But the opposite side is abomination, shame, perversity, lust, wrath, fine trouble, sinner, stupid. God condemns deceitful, violent, cruel, covetous, short-lived, and produces evil. There no, there's nothing in the middle. Matter of fact, what the, the, the prophet, um, I can't remember where the verse is, but the Bible lets us know that there is none righteous among us. No, not one. I think the starkest story that we can read about it is, um, I think it's Isaiah, right? When Isaiah gets to the scene in heaven, when God has chosen him. If you ever get the chance, read that about the prophet Isaiah. God takes him up into heaven, and there's this incredible scene. Isaiah, if I'm not mistaken, he was like an upright man amongst his people. He was respected. He was a man of honor. I don't believe that he would have wound up being chosen of God if he wasn't, right? He was, by all encounters, doing it the right way. He got up to heaven and actually saw the throne room of heaven. And when he saw what was going on, the only way to ex express what had happened to him is his sheer terror was, Absolute shock and horror. Why? He said, I am a man of unclean lips, and I am from a people of unclean lips. For all of his righteousness, he realized that he was completely bankrupt of anything good when he stood before a holy God. And he said, woe is me. You know what woe means? Woe means I'm cursed. I, I, am, just, I am just absolute nothing. I, there's nothing. There's no hope for me. But this guy was living right. And he was chosen of God. But when you're standing before a holy God, it's nothing. There is none righteous. No, not one. There is no middle ground. Not with God. Right? The beauty is, when you are alive in Christ, His righteousness 
the fact that he died a righteous man, his righteousness is applied to your life. So you don't have to live. You can live working towards righteousness every day, as you should. But you'll never truly be able to worship God in full righteousness. That's just the truth, right? We can say that we have it all right. We can say that, you know, we can get everything looking great. But until the day we get rid of this flesh, this corrupted flesh, uh, we, we will never, we will only worship God in, pers- in perfection when we have shed this flesh and we are in heaven with God, right? Just let, let's, let, let's make, make that known. So the next time you stumble, don't say, oh, I'm falling apart. Expect to stumble, right? Expect to find yourself tripping up and sinning. But whatever you do, fear God and say, oh my God, what have I done? I need to stop it now and turn around. That's what repentance is all about. There is no middle ground. There is no, I'm good enough. There is no, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, I'm righteous enough. Right? That's one point that I wanted to make. The wicked and the righteous. Hallelujah. We already know what the reward for the righteous is, right? Do we know what the reward for righteousness is? I think in this church we talk about it quite a bit. I know I'm stuttering. Let me have more coffee. That's all, folks. (laughs) When you do it, it sounds classier. It sounds smoother. You're able to turn it around. I can't. Uh, we all know what the reward for righteousness is, right? When the righteousness of God is applied to our lives through Jesus Christ. Eternal life. Blessing, the peace that passes understanding. Seated in heavenly places with Christ. Those are the rewards of righteousness. Those are the rewards of being saved. Those are the rewards of being counted as the righteous. Who knows what the rewards for the wicked are? Who knows? Who knows what the, the fate of the, unrighteous, of the unrighteous is? What did the Bible say about it? John the Baptist said concerning the fate of the unrighteous, uh, Jesus, his winnowing fork is in his hand. When I read this, I didn't know what the heck a winnowing fork was. I thought it was weird. I actually Googled it. All right, winnowing. It says uh, it's a winnow. It's a tool. And it says to blow a current of air through grain in order to remove the chaff. A combine cuts, threshes, and winnows the grain. A combine cuts, threshes, and winnows the grain in one operation. It removes the chaff from the grain. Uh, another sense that it's used, particularly in the scripture, says removing people or things from a group until only the best ones are left. So not, as, not only is Solomon saying it, but John the Baptist is saying this about Jesus. Jesus is separating the wheat from the chaff, right? So to finish, it says, his winnowing fork is in his hand and he is thoroughly clean, cleaning his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. We know that the wheat and the grain 
are symbols for the righteous and the unrighteous. He's going to burn the chaff, the stuff that's no good. He's separating what's good. If you are, if you are not, I'm just going to say this now before I continue. If you are not on the Lord's side, you are against him. If you are not one of his, your fate is that of the unrighteous. I'm just going to be flat out and say it right now. For those of you who are watching online, glory to God. Jesus spoke of the doom of the, fall, uh, of the false prophets. I'm sorry. Jesus himself spoke regarding the unrighteous <clears throat> and their consequences. Um, he said, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is easy. That leads to where? To destruction. Hallelujah. And there are many who take it. That's Matthew chapter 7. I'm sorry, the other verse was Matthew 3.12. And then Matthew 7.23, he says, And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I, that scripture breaks my heart. And we've read it several times in the service. Jesus is meeting with people on that day, the day that we all stand before the Lord in judgment. And there will be people that say, I, I cast out demons in your name. I did some miracle signs and wonders in your name. And Jesus will say, I never knew you. I, I, know, I know that there's a school of thought that looks for the miracle signs and wonders. I'm not looking for miracle signs and wonders. I'm sorry. I hate to say it, but when you go to the book of Revelation, you realize that the false, uh, the false prophet uses miracle signs and wonder, wonders to deceive the world. You know what I'm looking for? I'm looking for fruits of repentance. Evidence of repentance. You want to see God moving, God operating? You want proof that God is there? Fruits of repentance. Evidence that there is repentance taking place. Right? You want to know if you're saved, if, if you've been duped and, and believed the false gospel? Time. Time is such an amazing thing, right? Here's the difference between somebody who really got saved and somebody who didn't really get saved. 26 years later, they're still serving God. Those who didn't really get saved, usually they take off. And what did Paul say about that? He said, those who have left us, don't worry about it. They weren't of us to begin with. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but it's true. It's longevity, right? Solomon talks about being short-lived and longevity. Those who stick around, those who continue to be pulled back by God, though they belong to him, not the people who leave and stay away. I'm sorry. That is hard. That is hard to deal with. But don't look for miracle signs and wonders. Man, I was actually crushed. Earlier this week, I had seen a video where I had, and you know, I suppose I should publicly repent. I should publicly repent for this, right? So I'm serious. This is a serious moment for me. I'm not going get to get all uh, glassy-eyed, but I'm just going to be honest. I showed a video here called Holy Ghost with this guy named Todd White, right? And, you know, this was how long ago? Two years ago? Two years ago? Um, and, you know, I was just so inspired by the movie. Um, recently, I, I, so I had um, heard a number of things about Todd White. 
Um, and sometimes, you know, I, I would hear some things and I would just kind of dismiss it. Um, and I would say, man, this guy's just, just an incredible evangelist, a brother in the Lord. You know, you, you would see him performing these miracles in the video. And uh, there was this one guy who put together one of the scenes from that actual movie. And there was this thing that he was doing where he was causing uh, shortened legs to elongate, right? They would literally grow. Um, and this guy took this video and he took that clip of one of the guys and he just played it in fast forward. And you realize that what Todd White was doing was he had one foot in one hand, one foot in the other hand, and he had one foot twisted, right? Literally turned to the side so that the bottom of the sneaker wasn't lining up. And what he was doing was he was praying and he was literally turning the sneaker very, very slowly. But in real time, you could not see it unless you sped up the video. When you sped up the video, you could see his hand turning the foot. And as a consequence of slowly turning it, it gave the appearance of the shoes then lining up. I was crushed. I was crushed. Because I really wanted to believe it. I believed it was real. Don't look for miracles, signs, and wonders. Right? I'm sorry. I hate to say it. Fruits of repentance. When people truly give their lives to the Lord, they're sticking around. Brother Jose, you still here? Jose Para, you still here? Renee, you still here? You've seen people come and go, right? Isabel, you still here? Presente. <laughs> Presente. Natalie? It's not easy, but the Lord helps us through. He gets us through it. That's exactly right. He didn't promise peaches and cream. In fact, we have the good life here in America. There are some places in the world where to be a Christian, you got problems. All right, let me get back to it. I'm sorry. I, I kind of went off on a tangent. I want to say I'm sorry for showing that video. I will be more careful in the future. Please forgive me. Glory to God. Um, dreadful punishment. He spoke of the punishment of the wicked in the following manner. Mark chapter 9, verses 42 to 48. He says, I've got to make this bigger. Even with glasses, I cannot see it. It's time for bigger glasses. And whoever causes one of these little ones to believe to stumble, it would be better for them if a heavy millstone hung around their neck they had been, and they had been cast into the sea. And if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off! It is better for you to enter life maimed than having your two hands go into hell, into the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off! It's better for you to enter life maimed than having your two feet Excuse me, to be cast into hell. And if your eyes cause you to stumble, cast it out. It's better for you to enter in the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast in hell where your worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Listen, if it weren't for Jesus, we really would not know much about hell. That's a fact. That's Jesus talking, by the way. Right? And we always want to have Jesus portrayed as this real femme-looking dude, this this real, you know, long-haired, beautiful man with blue eyes and flowing locks. 
But man, he said some things that were straight out mean. He talked about hell more than anybody else in the Bible. In fact, if he didn't talk as much as he did about hell, we would know very little about hell. That is the truth. Go double check the word. Look it up. There's very little about hell in the Old Testament. And most of what we know is Jesus is talking in the New Testament. Do you think he's mean or he just loves us enough to tell the truth? <clears throat> Glory to God. In fact, righteousness to Jesus is so important that he says, if your eye is causing you to sin, cut it out. It may or may not be hyperbole, right? I'm not 100% sure. I'm saying if it's a chance of having two eyes or going to hell, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you can come up with something better before you get to that point, but righteousness is serious to Christ. Uh, here's another one, Luke chapter 12, verses 45 to 48. But if that slave says in his heart, my master will be a long time coming and begins to beat the slaves, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that slave will, one day, will come on a day when he does not expect him and, then, and at an hour when he does not know and will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. That's Jesus, by the way. That's him describing a parable regarding the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, that's Jesus talking. If you've got a fancy Bible, it's in red, this section. So what happens to the wicked? So first of all, he says, um, the wicked servant... If he starts to act up while the master is away and starts beating the servants and doing the wrong things, this is what he does to the wicked servant. And, I will, and will cut him into pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. Now, the unbelievers, that doesn't sound so bad, right? Just an unbeliever. But apparently to Jesus, it was serious. The wicked servant gets lumped in with the unbelievers, right? There's no middle ground. Again, you're either a believer or an unbeliever. You're either righteous or unrighteous. There's no middle ground. And that slave who knew his master's will and did not get ready or act in, a, in accord with his will shall receive many lashes, but the one who did not know it and committed deeds worthy of a flogging will receive but few. And from everyone who has been given much shall uh, much be required, and to whom they entrusted much of him they will ask all the more. Right? The, the punishment of the wicked is serious. Um, the parable of the ten brides, bridesmaids. Later the other bridesmaids, uh, Matthew 25, 11 to 13 says, Later the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly, I tell you, I do not know you. I don't even know you. Right? Some bridesmaids had oil in the lamps. Some bridesmaids did not. Those who were prepared... They got in. Those who were not prepared, he said, I don't know you. Beat it. Beat it. Romans 2, 5 through 9. This is what Paul says about the wicked. But your heart, your heart, your heart and impenitent heart, you are storing up, but I'm sorry, but by your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath 
when God's righteous judgment will be revealed, for he will repay according to each one's deeds to those, by, to those who by patiently doing seek good for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. While for those who are self-seeking and who obey the truth, but wickedness, there will be a wrath, but for wickedness there will be wrath and glory. And fury, sorry. Wrath and fury. There will be anguish and distress for everyone who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. I think I've made my point. Go back and read Proverbs. You'll see this over and over again. To the righteous, this. To the wicked, this. Again, it is only through Jesus Christ, the righteous, that we can obtain any kind of righteous. And it's not even our own righteousness, it's his righteousness. We can do nothing of ourselves, Jesus said in John chapter 15. You need me, he says. In fact, he says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I've been looking at this, this, this doctrine by uh, this guy named John Calvin, I think his name is. The doctrine of predestination. It's a fascinating thing. It basically says that before the foundations of the earth, those who shall be saved have already been chosen. And that has a lot of heavy implications. A lot of Christians, a lot of Christian theologians and churches have issues with that idea. But wait, salvation is for everybody. Not everybody's going to... We know this. The scripture tells us. You mean God handpicked who he was going to save? Is he sovereign? Is he God? Does he not have the right to do so? Do, do we think that we are above God and can tell God what he can and cannot do? Silly rabbit. Tricks are for kids. God is God. There is none righteous. No, not one. Those of us who are saved, those of us who have been given eternal life through Jesus Christ, through belief in God, through repentance, it's amazing. We've done nothing to earn it. It is bestowed upon us through the sacrifice of Christ. If you are watching today and you have not repented, right? If you have not said, I give up. I don't want to live my way anymore. I want to live Christ's way. In order to be counted into the fold of the righteous, you have to submit yourself before a holy God and understand Going back to Isaiah, what he saw, there was this, this angel. I think it was a seraphim. See, there's a seraphim, right? It's an amazing angel, massive, with six wings. Really cool, six wings. He had two wings that covered his face. Why do you think they were covering his face? Because in the presence of God, he would burn up. 
Even the angels have to shield their face from this righteous and holy and just God. Two more wings, they covered his feet, the angel's feet. Why did he need to have his feet covered? Because he was standing on holy ground. The holiness of God. And then the other two wings was so that he could fly. But even the angels can't take the holiness of God for granted. When you truly realize the enormity of God's holiness and his sovereignty, you recognize, my God. You recognize what truly the death on the cross really meant. That God himself, that holy God, came down, became man, and died for us. That's amazing. He said, nobody takes my life. I give it. For the joy set before him. For the joy of seeing us counted as righteousness, given the blessing of eternity. How does that take place? How do you receive that? Step one, repent. Repent. Repent from your sin. The Bible says that Adam sinned against God, and because of his rebellion, the rest of us literally are born into sin. We are sinful-natured creatures it's built into our DNA because we are all descendants of Adam, each and every one of us. But the Bible says the second Adam came to redeem us, Jesus Christ the righteous. In order to receive his righteousness on your life, you have to repent. You have to stop the direction you're going and go towards Jesus. Whatever he tells you to do in his word, whatever he tells you to give up by his Holy Spirit, you give it up. You stop doing it. Stop sinning. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you and do away with what you know he is displeased with. Second, confess him as Lord. Confess that he is God manifest in the flesh. Confess that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin and be grateful for what he's done. Amen. And how do you know you're saved a year from now, six months from now, three months from now, walking with Jesus? It's not attending a church. It's walking with Jesus. It's not knowing the words to the songs on a Sunday. It's walking with Jesus. It's one year, two years, 12 years, 15 years, going through all of the hardships that life brings, and you're still walking with Jesus. Can I get an amen? It's not, it's not what you say. It's, oh, I know we, that we do the sinner's prayer, but listen, lots of people say the sinner's prayer. I'm sorry. Just saying the sinner's prayer doesn't mean you're saved. Fruits of repentance shows that you are saved. Evidence that you have given up what you know God is considered an abomination. That's, that's how you show. Can I get an amen? Everybody stand. I'm sorry, I've gone considerably over time. Please forgive me.
Blame it on Elder Ross. He did it. <laughs> Hallelujah. The wicked and the righteous. The wicked and the righteous. When you talk to people and you talk to them about Christ and they say, ah, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily need that. That's not my thing. You know, just let them know that if you are not with Jesus, you are against Jesus. There's no middle ground. There's, it has to be more than just saying, I believe there's a Jesus. I believe in Jesus. No, you have to walk with him. You have to grab on to him and don't let go. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the Proverbs. We thank you for the words of Jesus himself. We thank you for the words of Paul the Apostle. Father God, help us to never take for granted your word. Help us to look at it, study it, digest it, hold it sacred, and keep it close to our hearts so that we would not sin against you. Father God, we look forward to the day when we will see your face. Hallelujah. Master, Holy Spirit, I pray now a hard prayer. I pray that you do whatever it takes to keep us desperate for you. Keep us desperate for your word. Keep us desperate for communion with you, Lord God, so that we can look through, back through time and say, Jesus has been with me this entire year. He has kept me. It has not been anything that I have done, but it has been all God, and I give him the glory. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Tonight we cherish you. We cherish your Holy Spirit. We cherish your word. We cherish your divine intervention on Calvary's cross. And we thank you for it, Lord God. Lord God, I pray that you would extend traveling mercies to us. I pray, Father God, that you would bless those who are watching online. I pray that your word hath penetrated deep in our hearts, that it would take root and change us, that we might be transformed by it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Buenas nachos, everybody. <laughs>